Luke chapter number one, Gospel of Luke chapter one. And so some weeks ago we began a series uh, that I was entitled Refocus on Jesus. And throughout this month we've kept with a Christmas theme because I believe Christmas coming up we should be keeping Jesus as our focus. He should be our center of attention now. Uh, the world is going after uh, Santa Claus and presents and trees and all kinds of other things. And those are all fun and everything, but our focus should be uh, on Jesus. He is the reason for the season, as the cliche goes. And so uh, today will be our Christmas party after church. Next Sunday will be Christmas Day, and we'll still be having a, a church service here uh, at 11 o'clock, and I hope everybody will be able to come out. Uh, but so far this month, what we have seen is that Jesus is the greatest gift. We saw that two weeks ago, and there is nothing that you can get. There's nothing you can uh, wrap up in a box and put a bow on. There's nothing you can charge to your credit card that is ever going to come anywhere close to as great as what Jesus is and the salvation that he has offered. And uh, then last week we saw that this gift is often not accepted or appreciated because uh, he works in ways that seem unusual to us or ways that are unexpected to us. And so her song this morning kind of went along with that. Uh, it's a strange way to save the world, but it is a way that works, and I praise God for it. And so anyway, today I want to look at some testimonies of some people uh, who recognized and accepted this unusual and unexpected but greatest gift. And I believe all of them would have us to know that life is better with Jesus in it. And so that's going to be our thought for today. So if you will, let's look at Luke chapter number one. And we're going to find Mary here. And uh, Luke chapter one, verse number 46. And it says, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put, put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath opened his servant Israel uh, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come to you today. Thank you for your blessings. And we do thank you for the time that we have here uh, in church today. We thank you for the fellowship that we've had. And Lord, we just ask you, Lord, for your blessings on this gathering. I ask you for your blessings, Lord, as we uh, attempt to preach your word. I just pray that you would guide and direct me in my thoughts and in my words and be with each person here that they would gain from the service exactly that which is needed. I pray for your blessings uh, on uh, the rest of the day as well, Lord, as we're going to be uh, getting together for Christmas party and different things. And we do ask you be with those who aren't able to be with us this morning, uh, some that are sick and things. And Lord, I ask you be with Les's dad as he's uh, going to the doctor today. I just pray that you'd help with that too. Thank you so much for all that you do, Lord. And all these we pray in Jesus' name. And amen. So in this passage, what we find is Mary had been told that she is going to uh, become pregnant, even though she doesn't know a man, and that uh, 
she's going to give birth to the Son of God. And so she has been given a pretty, pretty tall order here, if you will. And it is made known to her by the angel that her cousin Elizabeth is with child. Her cousin, who was past childbearing age, who had been barren all of her life, says that she is pregnant. And this is, uh, I believe it's the third month or six, excuse me, the sixth month with her. And so Mary decides during this time she is going to go and see Elizabeth. They're going to be going through some similar things. They're going to have a lot to talk about, no doubt. And whenever she travels to Elizabeth's house, her mind and her heart is probably doubting on the things that she's heard, probably questioning because, honestly, if you've seen an angel and the angel told you that you're going to become pregnant with the child of God, you're probably going to be starting to question a few things. You're going to be uh, sure of it probably at first, but the longer time goes, you're going to start saying, well, maybe it was a dream. Maybe I made it up. Maybe I was confused. Right? Have you ever done that? I started questioning the reality of things after the, the, the moment there. And so she was probably doubting and she was probably confused. And as she arrived at Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth greeted her, informed by God, by the Holy Ghost. And she welcomed uh, Mary by saying that she was the mother of the Son of God, the one that was going to bring salvation to the earth, confirming to Mary what the angel had told her before Mary ever has a chance to tell Elizabeth. This was long before the days of Facebook and text messaging. She didn't call and let her know she was coming. She didn't text her and uh, tell her about what was going on. She didn't write her a letter even. She just showed up and Elizabeth already knew and greeted her in this manner. And Mary's response to it was this part that we read here today. Mary giving praise and glory to God for what God was doing in her life. And so she had... Uh, in this moment, it hit her that all of this was true. And in verse 48, it says, all generations, shall, excuse me, all generations shall call me blessed. In verse 49, it says, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And so if we could ask Mary, she would tell us that life is better with Jesus in it because he changed her life completely. From the time that Jesus first came into her life, from the time the angel first announced that Jesus was coming, Mary's life would never be the same. There was nothing that was going to be the same from that moment. So from that moment, her life was different. Her direction was changed. Her identity was changed. Her priorities were changed. He gave her a new purpose, and every moment of the rest of her life would be touched and would be changed because Jesus was in it. Just the parts of her life that we know from the Gospels and from the scriptures that we read, we find that her life would have very much revolved around Jesus and around the things that he was doing and around what God was doing through him. And so who she was was different, and it was for the better. Even her legacy and her memory was changed because we're still talking about her today. Do you think that we'd know anything about Mary if it wasn't for what Jesus did in her life? And so none of that would have been the case. None of these things that we're talking about today would have happened in Mary's life if it hadn't been for Jesus. And so for all of us who are saved here today, things changed when we met Jesus. The Bible tells us that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, that old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In other words, whenever you meet Christ, things are going to change. 
your life is never going to be the same. Now, as we saw in Sunday school, to what extent that's going to be true is up to you. Yeah. You have a place to play in it. If, are you going to allow Jesus to do that work or not? But following him, after you meet Jesus, your life is going to change. And so life is better with Jesus in it because your life will never be the same. The second group of guys that we're going to hear from, and we're going to go through this quickly here, is in Luke chapter number 2, just over a chapter. And we're going to hear from the shepherds in verse number 8 of Luke chapter number 2. It says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were going away from them unto heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see the thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph, and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And so as we look at the shepherds, they would tell us that life is better with Jesus in it because he valued them. He valued them. Because if we look at the shepherds here, the shepherds were your normal blue-collar workers. They were out in the fields uh, watching over their sheep. They would have been out there in the long days and in the cold nights, and they would have been the nobodies of their day. They wouldn't be the ones that everybody knew. Uh, they weren't known by Caesar. They weren't known by Herod. They weren't even known by all of the, the priests and the religious leaders of the day. There probably wasn't that many people who knew them. They would have been out alone, just a few shepherds together more than likely. They would come and gather around campfires at night and whatnot. And most of the world would never know their names. Most of the world would never care about them. And I doubt that they made it on too many guest lists. But when it came to the birth of the Son of God, they received a hand-delivered invitation. Hand-delivered by the angels of heaven. And they got the VIP treatment here. They were told about this long-awaited Messiah. They were some of the very first to hear about him, some of the only ones invited to see him, some of the only ones there that were present to take all of this in. And so I figure that these shepherds probably had a lot of questions in their mind. I figure they spent a good bit of time wondering, why did God choose us? Why is it? kind of as her song was there a little bit ago, why is it out of all of the shepherds, out of all of the men, out of those who are important or those who are rich or those who are connected, those who are religious, out of everybody in this world, why did God choose us? 
And could you imagine as they were just soaking in that and just wondering, what makes us so special? What has made God take knowledge of us? And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking back of Hagar back in the Old Testament. And she was running from Abraham and from Sarah. She was out in the wilderness in the desert, just her and Ishmael. And the Lord appeared to her. And she called the Lord's name, Thou God which seest me. Right. What was important to her, she said, out of everyone in this world, I'm just a slave, basically. I'm just a concubine in the house of Abraham. But God came down and he spoke to me. God sees me. He values me. And we see this here in these shepherds. And they said, God sees me. He knows me. He values me. And he has called me to something extremely special. He has done something in my life that no one else could have done or would have done. He has taken note of me whenever no one else cared. And so I believe they could sing with the best of them, Jesus loves me. They'd look around and say, he has to love me because he saw me, he invited me, he included me, he valued me. I wonder oftentimes if these shepherds continued following this baby. I wonder if they kind of stayed in contact and traced around to see what would become of this baby. Maybe whenever Jesus grew up and he began his early ministry and he began teaching and preaching uh, out in the regions of Galilee, I wonder if these shepherds were some of the ones that were in those multitudes. And I wonder if a smile came on their face whenever he started talking about, I am the good shepherd. As he started talking about the good shepherd leaving the 99 to find that one lost one. And how special that one was that everyone else would have forgotten about because the shepherd valued that one. And they said, that was me all the way back there some 30 years ago. He valued me and he sent angels to bring me to see the birth of the Messiah. And so he said, life is better with Jesus in it because he values me. And I think each of us could agree with the shepherds. Jesus loves me and our lives are better with him in it because he values us. I might not look like a lot to the world. May not be a whole lot of people who know my name. We already talked, I can't sing, right? Sometimes I can't even speak, right? And so I may not look like much of this world. and Few know me or care about me, but he loves me. He gave his life for me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. And he is going to prepare a place for me. And so he values me. Now let's look at the wise men. We've got to change books now. Matthew chapter number two. Matthew chapter number two. In verse number one, it says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born, the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where the Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee uh, shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately uh, called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently 
for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come in the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And so in this, we find the wise men. They had spent quite a bit of time traveling. They came in close to where Jesus was at. And apparently the star disappeared for a while, or maybe it was cloudy. We know what clouds are like, right? <laughs> and so they came to the capital of Israel thinking that surely they would have some knowledge of where this baby was born at. And they consulted the prophecies and they said it's going to be in Bethlehem. They took off toward Bethlehem. The star was uh, uh, shining again, was reappeared there. And they were able to be guided right to the place where Jesus was staying. Okay, it says to the house, not the manger, by the way. But anyway, and so they were guided there right to where they needed to be at. And whenever we think of the the wise men, we probably envision a short journey. We probably envision that they came from the next town or the next country over, but they would have went on a long journey. They would have been searching for a while. So if we could ask these wise men about this, they would tell us that life is better with Jesus in it because he's everything they've been searching for. He's everything they've been searching for. And they had been searching for a while. If we look at the wise men, they would have came from a long way over, probably from the regions of Babylon. Personally, I believe that they had uh, been introduced to these prophecies through Daniel the prophet back in uh, Babylon some several hundred years earlier. And with that, they had studied these prophecies. They had tracked the movements of stars and studied the night skies, and they followed <clears throat> all of these things to this place, realizing that something tremendous was happening. They had been seeking, they had been searching, they had been following prophecies and tracking the movements of the stars for years, and all of a sudden what they had been searching for had come to be, and it had led them right to the Son of God. I don't figure the star that they followed was as obvious as what we often have depicted. You know, in the movies and uh, on the, the little nativity sets, there's like this bright beaming star, tracking beam, or tracker beam or whatever that's coming down and if that was the case, don't you think there'd be a lot more people following the star? But see, these wise men were tracking the movements of the stars and the planets and things, and they said, there's something extraordinary about this, and we're going to follow it. Didn't draw a lot of other people's attention, but these wise men had been searching. And so as they had searched, they made this journey. It would have been long and difficult. It wouldn't have been just a day or two. It probably would have been months. Could have been even longer than that. And so anyway, whenever they came and they found Jesus there, they presented their gifts to him. They found what they had been searching for. And for us today, what I want to bring out in this is that there are plenty of people in this world who are searching today. There are plenty of people who are searching for meaning. They're searching for purpose. They're looking for fulfillment. And we can look back to Solomon as he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and he was searching as well. And he says, I've looked everywhere. I've tried everything this world has to offer, and it left me empty. Yeah. He says, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. 
And what he came to the conclusion of is that God is everything. I was searching in all the wrong places, and Jesus is everything that I've been searching for. Yeah. And so the world needs Jesus because only he can fill the void. Money, pleasure, relationships, success can't do it. But Jesus is everything that we've been searching for. So life is better with Jesus in it. He's everything we've been searching for. I want to make two more stops here. Next one is back in Luke chapter number two. And we're going to look at a widow woman by the name of Anna. Luke chapter number two. Down in verse number 36, it says, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, and she had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in the instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So we find this lady was at the temple and whenever they came, when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus there uh, on the eighth day to name him, circumcise him, all the things according to the customs of the Jews, she was there and she had been serving the Lord. She'd been in the temple praying and fasting for many years. It says that, I believe it was uh, four score and four years. That's 84 years. She was married for seven years. If you want to do the math, that's 91 years since she was married. Yeah. So you figure when she got married, she's over 100 years old now. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this woman's over 100 years old. She had lived a long, long life. She had seen a lot of things. She had heard a lot of things. And often old women are associated with gossip and being busybodies, right? But Anna wasn't one of them. We find that she stayed in the temple fasting and praying and serving God continually. She would have been a very godly woman. She would have been a very holy woman she wouldn't have been one of these gossips that we were talking about. And so she did a lot of talking to God, but when she met Jesus, she went about telling everyone about him. And so if we would ask Anna about Jesus, why is life better with Jesus in it? She said, he has given me something worth talking about. She says, I have heard it all. I have seen it all, but nothing compares to Jesus. All the other things pale in comparison to him, and there is nothing that is worthy of my time and my efforts like Jesus is. And so as we're in this world today, we are constantly bombarded with information. We're drowning in information, right? And usually, most of it is nonsense. You scroll through the internet, you look at the headlines, all these different things. There's advertisements that are telling you about a product that is revolutionary and life-changing and is totally stupid and mundane, right? You read the newspaper headlines and they are made to draw your attention in and make things seem more important than what they actually are. Have you ever been sucked in by a headline that had nothing to do with the story and it completely misrepresented it? Happens all the time, right? All it's designed to do is to grab your attention and to drag you into all these worthless things. But since I've met Jesus, I've had someone to talk about. Someone who truly is revolutionary and life-changing. Someone who's not going to disappoint me, 
and someone that everybody needs. And so my life is better with Jesus in it because I have something worth talking about. And so lastly, we meet another older person of the temple, just back a few verses there in Luke chapter number two, verse number 25. Luke chapter two, verse 25, and it says, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, let now, or excuse me, now let us, thy, verse 29, Lord, now let us thou, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. So as we look at Joseph here, or excuse me, not Joseph, as we look at Simeon here and ask him, how is your life better with Jesus in it? He says, my life is better with Jesus in it because I can depart in peace. He says, I've lived my entire life. I've been serving God all of this time. And God has revealed to me that I am not going to die until I see the Messiah, until I see the Christ. And as the years were going on, as he was getting older and older, I don't know how old he was compared to Anna. Maybe he was up close to 100 as well. He may have been starting to think, I'm not going to see it. I'm not going to see the Messiah. I'm going to get too old. I'm going to die. And then whenever Jesus comes in, all of the questions melted away. When Jesus came in, he laid eyes on the Messiah, on the Christ, on the promised one, on the savior of mankind. And not only did he lay eyes on him, he laid hands on him and took him up in his arms and held him close. And his response was that verse that I had so much trouble reading just a moment ago. Verse 29, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. He says, I can go to the grave. I can face death with peace because I have met Jesus. And so whenever we think about death today, most people don't want to think about it. When people die, what does everybody say? Rest in peace, right? We hope they found peace. They look at all these different ways in death, but few approach death with any rest or peace. People fear death. They do all they can to try to escape it, to try to avoid it, to try to make their lives last longer and to hang on as much as they can. And many people say it's because they have a fear of the unknown. But because of the word of God, it is not an unknown. The Bible tells us what happens when we close our eyes in death. For a child of God, Paul tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We find also that the Bible tells us that precious is in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. That God is looking on and that it is something special to him. Even whenever the man Lazarus, that was a poor beggar that no one else cared about, kind of like the shepherds, right? Whenever he passed away, it says that he was carried by angels. He was carried by angels. 
And so this is what we look forward to as Christians is we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear what lies ahead of us. We don't have to fear eternity. We can depart in peace because we know Jesus. We could look at countless others throughout Scripture whose lives were altered and were changed and were never the same because they met Jesus. We could see all kinds of people who would testify and say that life is better with Jesus in it. Even I myself, I can tell you from experience, life is better with Jesus in it. If it was not for Christ, I don't know where I would be. I know I wouldn't be here. I know I wouldn't know any of you all. More than likely, I wouldn't have my wife. I wouldn't have my children. And my life would be vastly different today than what it is if I hadn't known Jesus. And so I am thankful for the blessings and all the things that he has done in my life, for the way that he has guided and shaped and directed me, because I can say with full assurance that life is better with Jesus in it. So just reviewing the ones that we've looked at today, Mary says life is better with Jesus in it because he has changed my life completely. We find that the shepherds say he is their life is better with Jesus in it because he values me. No one else cares about me, but he does. The wise men say life is better with Jesus in it because he is everything that I've been searching for. Anna tells us that she finally has something worth talking about, worth telling people about. And Simeon says, I can go to the grave, I can face eternity with complete peace because I know him. And so life is better with Jesus in it. And so the question that I ask and I leave you with today is, do you know him? Is Jesus in your life? Have you met him? And if you haven't, today would be a great day. Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. The Bible tells us that for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can have him as your savior. He can come into your life and he can change you completely. He can assure you of your eternity and nothing will ever be the same. Life will be better with Jesus in it. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Lord, we come to you today. Thank you for your blessings. And we do thank you for these people that we've looked at, Lord. And Lord, I may have taken a little bit of liberty with it, but Lord, we thank you for the testimonies, Lord, that life is better with you in it, Lord. And I pray that if there's anyone here today that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they would call upon you, that they would put their faith and trust in you for the salvation of their souls and the forgiveness of their sins, Lord. And Lord, that they would begin this journey, Lord, getting to know that life is better with you in it. We ask you, Lord, today just that you would bless our time, our fellowship together. Be with us as we go through this week, Lord. Help us to meditate on these truths, Lord, and help us, Lord, to draw nearer to you, Lord. We thank you so much for all that you do. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.